Rodashem's assistance, we are learning Baba Kama Daftes, page 9. We begin seven lines in. Rav Huna Amar. Rav Huna says, Oy Kesev, Oy Metov. Either he has to pay with money or with Metov. And Rashi explains that over here, what Rav Huna is coming to do is coming to say a resolution to a question that we asked a while back, which was we had two different verses. One seems to imply that you have to pay the best of the property. One seems to imply that you can even use something else, which is Subin, we said in the Gemara, which was uh, oats. So over here he's saying that you can, in fact, use something else, but you have to use the best of that thing. You have to use kesef, you have to use money. So now, Sigmar says, Rav Nachman Rav Huna. So Rav Nachman asks the following to Rav Huna, Yashiv, the Rabbi Shavakesev, Afilu Subin. But we said that Yashiv, the word Yashiv comes to include anything that's worth value, even something which is not such a great quality thing, which is oats. So what is Rav Huna going to say to that? He seems to imply that only money or uh, the best of one's fields. So what's going on? So he answers, what are we talking about over here? But lastly, that he doesn't have anything else to pay with, meaning he doesn't have any money, and he doesn't have any any land. So that's why he's allowed to pay with soup, and he can even pay with oats. So Gemara says, Eid if that's true that he doesn't have, Pshita, obviously, if he doesn't have anything else to pay with, of course we're going to let him pay with this. Gemara says, no. We would have thought to say, that we would say to the guy, go and sell those oats, and bring money. You have to give him money. That's what it's going to teach you, that no, that you don't actually have to go and sell whatever you have. You can give him the soup and the oats themselves. Amar of Asi, Rav Asi says like this, Money is exactly the same as land. So now the Gemara says, what does he mean? What does Rav Asi mean? What is the halachic ramifications of this statement? If this means in regards to paying with the best of your fields, and we're saying that you can also pay with money, that's considered the best of the movable objects. So then that's exactly the statement that Rav Huna made earlier. So rather, the Gemara says, we're going to make a few different attempts at what Rav Asi is actually talking about. But the Gemara is going to say like this, You have two different brothers with their parents, their father passed away, and so they're splitting up the properties. One of them took property, and one of them took the money. And then comes along somebody who the father had owed money to, and he took away the piece of land. The Ozel High, so the guy who, the, the son who had taken the piece of land can go, so he can go to the, to the, his brother who had taken the money, and he can take half of the money that's, that was given to the brother. And Rashi explains that this is what Ravasi means when he says that money is the same as karka, money is the same as land. So what that means is no matter what the child got, whichever son got the money, whichever son got the land, even if they split it separately, so they they both have an equal responsibility in paying any kind of loan that comes along that the father had owed. So therefore that's why they can split, they're going to split it up again. So the Gemara says, wait, pshita, that's obvious. Hi, brava, hi, lavbra. What, this, this is a son and this is not a son? Obviously, they have an equal obligation to take care of the father's uh, loans that are owed. So therefore, this is obvious. It can't be what Ravasi means. Ikada Amri, that those who actually say, Adaraba, the total opposite of what we just said, to the other side. The Amri, that in fact, that the, the one who lost the piece of land, so he can't come back to the one who has the money. Why? Because he says like this. The reason that I took the money, says one brother, was so that if the money gets stolen, so you won't lose out anything. And the reason that you took the whole piece of land, that if someone comes along and takes the piece of land, that it 
you're not going to have to, that it'll only get taken from you, not get taken from me. So therefore, they won't have the ability to come back and do that switch. So rather, what's Ravasi talking about? Two brothers that split it up, and then comes along the person who's owed money, meaning they split up the money that was there. They didn't split up, one person got money, one person got a piece of wine, but rather, whatever money was there, whatever karka, whatever ground was there, they split up. And then comes along the Balchov, and he went and he took only one of their portions. So Ravasi is coming to say that if one of the brothers loses his portion, it comes to the other brother, so the other brother can give him either money or a piece of land. Either way, they're the same in this regard. So now the Gemara asks, But if this is understanding of what Ravasi said, so he said this already, the Itmar, it was stated, Let's say you have brothers who split up the property. And comes along a person who was owed money by the father, and he takes one of their portions. So Rav says that the original splitting up is nullified, they have to go do it over again. Shmuel says no, that uh, he lost his portion, it's too bad. Ravasi says that you either give him a quarter of the land or a quarter of the property. So what does that mean? We're going to see an explanation right away. Rav Amar Rav says that the original splitting up is nullified, they do it over. Why? Because he holds that when brothers split up the portion, the inheritance of their father, they're considered like inheritors, and therefore they're going to each have an obligation to pay for the father's loan. And that's why the, uh, the brother who lost all the money is going to be able to come to the other brother, and they're going to split it up again. Shmuel, Amar Shmuel says, Viter, the person lost out his portion, because he holds ha'achem shecholku lekuchois, so Shmuel holds that when brothers split it up, they're considered like buyers, and therefore when they're they're considered not only like buyers but like buyers who are buying something without any kind of guarantees, and therefore he's the one who has to suffer the loss. Rav Asi, Amravasi says, that he takes either a quarter of the amount of land or a quarter of the amount of money because he has a doubt whether or not we consider him like a Yorish like a, a person who's who's inheriting and therefore he should really get 50% of whatever's left or perhaps no perhaps he's like a Lakuach a person who has bought those things and therefore he's lost out and therefore so we split the difference so there's theoretically if he would be considered like a Yorish like we said if he's considered like an inheritor so he gets half and if he's like like a lakuach, like a buyer, so he gets nothing. So we split the difference and he gets a quarter, and he can take that either in money or in land. So here we see again that Rav Asi says a similar statement, where he makes the statement that land and money are equal in a certain sense, they're interchangeable. So why does he need to say it a second time? So we're saying like this, rather, what does it mean when he originally said that money and karka and land are the same? It means in regards to if he has to pay from the best of his property, so he can also pay from the best of the movable objects, which is money. So again, we have this question that we asked earlier, which was, that it comes out that it's exactly the same statement as what Rav Huna said. So we say, rather, let it say, that similarly did Rav Asi said, meaning, indeed, Rav Asi is saying the same thing as Rav Huna. Amar of Zeir, Rav Zeir says, Amar of Huna in the name of Rav Huna. Mitzvah ad shlish. In regards to a mitzvah, so you spend up to a third of the money that you have. My shlish. What does it mean you spend up to a third? Return to Tesema Bay's page 9b. 
means a third of all of his money. If that's the case, if a person has three mitzvahs, so he's going to lose all of his house, he's going to lose all of his money, if he has to spend a third of his money on, on every single mitzvah. That what Rav Huna means is that when it comes to doing a mitzvah, so there's different levels of doing the mitzvah. You can do a mitzvah, or you can do it also with a beautification of the mitzvah. Let's say, Rashi explains, let's say you're talking about you have two choices between two different Sifrei Torah. You're buying a Sifrei Torah, and one is more beautiful than the other. So what you do is you spend up to a third more on Hidr Mitzvah, on the beautification of the mitzvah. Boy Ravashi, Ravashi says the following question. Do we look at it, the third that we're talking about, is it a third before or a third after? Meaning, if let's say one Sefer Torah is worth $150 and the other Sefer Torah is worth more, so do you have to spend a third of the $150, which would, which would mean that you have to spend another $50, which leaves you with $200, or do you have to spend a third of the total amount? Meaning, you split the original amount, which was 150 into two, which gives you 75 and 75, and you add on another 75, which gives you 375, which is 225. So therefore, it's a third of the final amount. So milagav means within, and milabar means outside. So do you do it the first way or the second way? So the Gemara says, Teku, we don't have an answer. Bimarava Amri in Israel they said, Mishmid Rabbi Zera in the name of Rabbi Zera, Ad Shlish Mishaloi, Mikanve Elech Mishal Kadosh Barhu. Up to a third, so it's going to stand for him, this third that he spent on Hidr Mitzvah, on doing this beautification of the mitzvah, it's going to stand for him in the world to come. Mikanve Elech Mishal Kadosh Barhu. From then on, so meaning from a third and up that a person will spend, so that's from Hashem's, meaning he gets reward in the world to come, and Hashem also takes care of him in this world, meaning he doesn't lose out a single penny on that money, it seems that it comes back to him. Masisim would begin the next mission. Anything which I have an obligation on watching it, so if I didn't watch it and it causes damage, so it's my fault, I have led to that damage. If let's say I have led indeed to that damage, only to part of it though, because I wasn't at fault completely. So it's considered in regards to how much do I have to pay, I have to pay for the entire thing, as if I caused the entire damage. The Gemara is going to explain what all these things in the mission mean. If we're talking about some kind of property which does not have me'ila, meaning as opposed to something which is hectish, something which belongs to the temple, so there's a concept of me'ila, which you can't get any benefit from that thing. So now we're talking about things that do not have that problem of that there's no forbidden nature of getting benefit from them, meaning they're normal person's things. And property which belongs to a person who's a Jew. Possessions that specifically belong to someone, Rashi says, as opposed to possessions that belong to Hefker or that are Anywhere they are, except for if the, the damage took place in a place that belonged to the person who caused the damage, meaning, let's say someone's animal walks in to my yard, and then my dog bites the animal and breaks off its leg, so that's going to be excluded, and the possession of, which it sounds like it's some kind of area, which is in the possession of both the person who got damaged and the person who caused the damage, so as long as it's not in those cases, in all the cases that we said, so if there's a damage, so there's going to be an obligation on the person who caused the damage, to pay the damages from the best of the lands. And we're going to have to understand why it says this extra words, so Rashi actually tells us, this is what we were saying was extra in the Gemara earlier, on the Aftalad, that we said comes to include the concept of Karen, 
of goring with its horns. Now we begin the Gemara. Tana Rabban, we learned on a Brisa. Kol shechavdi b'shmirah, say shart yes nizkoi. Any case where, not, where I'm obligated in watching it, so if I don't watch it and it causes damage, so I have allowed it to cause damage. Kate said, what's the case? Shar ubar, let's say we have an ox or a pit. Shemasran lachir shayt v'katan. That you gave it over to a person who's mute or a person who's insane or a minor to watch. V'yiziku, and then it went in and caused damage. Chayv l'shalem, you have to pay. Masha'en came be'esh, which is not so in regards to a case of fire. But my asking, what are we talking about here? If we're talking about an ox that was tied up and it couldn't escape, is a pit that's covered up. So it's going to be a similar case in regards to fire, meaning a case where it's not so clear that it's going to cause any kind of damage. So we're talking about a fire that's contained within a, a coal that's not uh, flaming at this time. So then what's the difference? Why over here is there an obligation? Why over here there's no obligation to pay? Rather, I'll tell you that we're talking about a case where you have an ox that's untied and a pit that's uncovered. So what's going to be the case that's comparable in regards to age, in regards to fire? The kavos of age, what's going to be the case? Shalheves, where you have a fire, a real fire. Masha'en came by the potter. Why is it that in regards to fire you're going to be exempt? Didn't Rish Lakish say in the name of Chizgiah, Loishanu, Elisha Moser, Legacheles, Veliba, Vashalhevis Chayev, that the only time that you're going to be put, you're going to be exempt, is only if you gave over a uh, coal that he went and he made the fire come out of the coal, but if you gave over an actual fire, then you're going to have an obligation to pay, in fact. My time, the Habari has The reason is because it's clear that there's going to be some kind of damage. So, what, what's going to be the case where, in regards to shore and bore, in regards to the ox and the pit, there's going to be an obligation, but in regards to the fire, there's not going to be an obligation? So, the Gemara says, Kosher, Really, I'll tell you that we're talking about an ox that was tied up. We're talking about a pit that was covered. And the comparable case in regards to fire is where you gave him a coal. This is we said, what's the difference over here that there's an obligation? You left it in a place, in a way that, in regards to the ox and the pit, it was left in a way that was uh, sufficiently guarded. So what's the difference? The normal way of an ox is it's going to be able to get out of the fact that it's tied up. It's going to unchain itself, so to speak. And the normal way of a pit is that the cover, even if you put it on well, eventually will come off. So what happened in this case? So the cherish, or the cotton, whatever, the person who was not a good person to be giving it over to, to watch, he's irresponsible, so he's the one who caused it to actually happen. So there, you're going to have your responsibility. Since it's something that could happen on its own, you have a responsibility, even if the cherish himself, or the cotton, or the shaita, these three different people who are irresponsible, even if they do it, you still have an obligation. However, in regards to the gacheles, gacheles kamen de shavikla, ma'am ya'am ya'va'azla. However, in regards to this coal, so when you just leave it, so it slowly goes down, the coal turns off, unless someone will go and and make the flame come out. So now that the cherish shaita the cotton, these irresponsible parties, they when they cause the flame to come out, that's not going to be your responsibility because only in those cases where it could happen on its own, that we showed negligence, is it going to be your responsibility. Then the Gemara says, that if you, even if you give over a flame itself, you're also going to be not obligated. So we could say that over here also in regards to the ox case, it's where you untied it, and in the pit case, it's where you uncovered it. So then what's the difference? Why over here by the oxes where you left it out to cause damage are you going to have obligation, but not in regards to the fire? 
So the Gemara answers, Hasam Tzavta Decherish Kagarim. In regards to the case where the cherish, the deaf person, or the person who's insane, or the minor goes and takes this fire, so he's, he's taking the fire and he's causing the fire to actually get to that place. It wasn't your fault at all. So in that case, so there's no obligation, whereas in the case of the ox, in the case of the pit, so there, there was something that you did wrong even before the cherish, the, the deaf person, got involved. There are stringencies in regards to oxen as opposed to pits, and there are stringencies in regards to pits as opposed to oxen. The stringency of an ox in regards to a pit. If an ox kills a person, so you're going to have to pay the concept of kofir. You have to pay for killing the person the value of the person as a slave. You have to pay the 30 uh, shekels, or whatever it is, the 30 silver coins, uh, for an, if it kills an evid. Once the animal has been sentenced to death, you're not allowed to get any kind of enjoyment from the animal. You can't benefit from it at all. The way of a shore of an ox is to move and to cause damage. All these things are not true in regards to a pet. The stringency of a pet in regards to an ox, that a boar, an ox, originally when it's made, it already has the ability, the potential to cause damage. From the onset, you have to pay full damages when it causes damage, which is not so in regards to an ox. With Hashem's help, we'll continue from here in the next daily daf.